Welcome to We Need to Talk About STEM, the show where we talk about men and women from history named STEM. There have been many Stevens, Stefanis, Stefans, Stevies, a Stefans, movies, TV, music, books, history, publishing. Steven is one of the most powerful names that has ever existed. And this is a podcast dedicated to the men and women who have borne the name Seven. back, baby. We're back, babes. Welcome, babes uh, and babettes and boys. <laughs> How are all the boys doing out there? How are the babes? I'm fine. We're talking Hollywood cast. We're talking uh, Tinseltown. <laughs> How do you do there, Mike? <laughs> I'm fine. <laughs> what about you, Come, audience? How coming you in hot. Yeah, we're coming in nice and hot today. Um, <clears throat> well, yeah, so I think if everyone listened closely... Or followed the Twitter or Instagram, they know that we are in part two of a two-part miniseries. That's right. Written and directed by Stephen King, the mm-hmm. Stephen of the Weeks. That's right. We, uh, last week, we obviously did Stephen King, the author, covering his literary career, which was absolutely riveting and so much I fun. Know. I actually mean that. That was a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah. We discovered we have a hatred for Harold Bloom, the book critic. I'm that sure he'll come back up. And we discovered that we love Stephen King, and pretty much, you know, he can't be knocked off of his throne for us. And if you can't tell, Sean and I are riding high right now because we just finished watching Maximum Overdrive. Oh, man. Stephen King's first and last (laughs) stint at directing. (laughs) And there's a good reason for that. Um, But maybe before we get into it all, should we do our little intro? Let's intro. All right, ladies and gentlemen, he's an author so cool that Hollywood has spread its legs and said, come on in. (laughs) He's the one man on earth who doesn't like Stanley Kubrick or The Shining. He's Harold Bloom's worst nightmare, but what does Roger Ebert think? He's a noodle hog swinging Yankee, and he and tonight we're going to discuss the times that he's pushed his writing career into maximum overdrive. He is Stephen King! The filmmaker? I guess so. Yeah. Well, so I think, first of all, Sean. Lucky lady. You called him a Yankee. He is a Yankee. Yeah, but this guy's a Red Sox fan. And oh, they, okay. and he yeah. would get pissed. He would get he would piss on my shoe if yeah. he heard me talking like that. That's like the number one rivalry. There's Yankees, That's Confederates, true. and Red Sox. <laughs> Where's your allegiance? Um, I'm with the Union. <laughs> I think that's a good choice. The boys in blue. Yeah. Um, I just like the color. That's so basically you're like it. a Blue Lives Matter kind of guy. <laughs> oh, for sure. <laughs> okay. Since uh, since the beginning of time. Yeah, baby. I've been saying Blue Lives Matter since the 1860s. <laughs> um, hands up. <laughs> don't shoot. Hands up. Don't shoot. I'm in the army. <laughs> Oh, dang. <laughs> what did I get myself into? <laughs> what have I got myself into? Dying on this foreign soil for Uncle Sam. Okay, so you did mention uh, Roger Ebert, too. Did he... I think he might have um, said something nice about Stephen King. Probably. And I, I think he like took something back, too. They seem like kindred spirits. I think he kind of talked shit about him. This has to go with the last episode. But when I was reading yeah. about like, criticism of Stephen King, I think that he... Um, Ebert kind of had some mean things to say, and then mm-hmm. was like, "You know, I feel like I'm totally wrong about this," and took it all back. Take a lesson, which is a Harold big move. Bloom. Yeah. yeah, like you can change your mind on stuff. 
Because yeah. it's hard not to uh, look at Stephen King now, you know, years from his worst work, and be like, no, the guy's a legend. Yeah. And he's great. Yeah. Um, I would be curious to hear more from Roger Ebert, because like Stephen King, he's a guy who has made... Well, directed, I should say. One, one thing, film. Right? And been like, this isn't for me. Yeah, it's hard. Now, Stephen King, even though, guys, he's directed one film and backed out, he has probably had more writing credits than any other screenwriter. It's fucking it's, crazy. He's got like 265. But so, I don't know if he... He hasn't written the screenplay to all those, though. No, but, but they, just they toss him a credit because he's it's adapted. Yeah. Um, and I'm basically just getting this off of his IMDb. Like, if you mm-hmm. go there and look at what it says, it just says... Screenwriter credits, 265 Right, yeah, because he gets story by. Yeah, and then when you go in, and there's a little bit more nuance than that. But, I mean, who else can you think of that's got that much I know, we talked about this a little before recording, and I don't know who in history has had more um, adaptations based on stuff they've done. Well, Charlie Kaufman did write adaptation. So maybe he would know. He would know. We should ask him. Yeah, he's the guy for adaptation. Oh, and he's calling in. Hi, I'm Charlie Kaufman. I was wondering if you guys know about adaptations. Oh, sorry. I, you were supposed to ask me a question. Bye-bye. I'm like, oh, this guy's a terrible guest. Can you tell us a little bit about Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, Charlie? Well, it's about Jim Carrey. And mm. um, he's dreaming a lot of memories. And oh, God. Uh, Clementine is in love with him, but then changes her mind. Ed gets erased. Ed, I All gotta right. go! We're gonna have to cut you off there, Charlie. <laughs> Thank you. You know, sometimes this is why these guys are writers and not yeah, talkers. Yeah, not talkers. Yeah. Um, Unlike <laughs> us. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess maybe we should just, like, have some kind of jumping off point. And I guess his uh, first novel was also the first movie made from yeah, this His is material. This is Carrie, guys, the Carrie. pig blood princess herself. Sissy Spacek, the shower period girl <laughs> in that period piece. Is that is it called a period piece? Well, if a girl has her period in the movie. <laughs> <laughs> yes. This is why we do this, guys. Yeah, I think that definitely qualifies as a period piece. What other period pieces are there? Hmm. Was there one in My Girl? That's a period piece. That's probably a period piece. I feel like virgin suicides is that a period piece does that happen in that movie do virgins have periods well i don't know we should call I'm just a movie starring like women coming of age like because yeah. the period's got to come into that at some point like if it's girls it's about the period boys it's always like a montage of them climbing into a treehouse and jacking off yeah or like time. drilling a hole in a girl's bathroom like, and then ooh. like sexually harassing them now do you say oogling or ogling I say ogling. I'm an ogler. Yeah. yeah. Who oogles? I've heard people say oogle. And what about oog- this? Diddly like... squat or doodly squat? Diddly. I say diddly too. Yeah. All right. It's almost like we're from the same place. Yeah. Do you oh. do um? Do you use uh, oogle.com or ogle? <laughs> well, it depends. If I'm looking for like research, it's oogle. But if I'm just trying to see some tits, yeah, it's ogle.xx. Yeah, ogle. Let me ogle that real quick. So, blah, Sean, blah, blah, let's um. What is your favorite Stephen King movie? You know, I did some research and prepped myself for this question. It's tough. It's a tough call for me between The Shining and Shawshank Redemption. I think Mm. those are the two strongest candidates. Yeah. Now, it would be hands down The Shining, except now that I've read the book, I see Stephen King's problem with it, and I can't unsee it. Yeah, so I, in that... um shitty history channel or whatever documentary he was talking about it and he was saying his biggest problem with it is that jack nicholson 
is just like a psycho, a psycho <laughs> from the very beginning. Yeah. And there's no like descent into There's it. no kind of like, oh, this guy has gone crazy. It's like he started crazy. He's Jack Nicholson. Yeah. That's the problem I had after I read the book. I totally used to think he was stupid for hating that movie because it's so good. Yeah. But then when you read the book, you're like, wow, the, the nuance of the characters is so much more interesting. It's like a nice family who gets torn apart by the dad's alcoholism. And like mm-hmm. the demons are like a metaphorical demon for him struggling with like his anger at his family for blaming them for his failure and blaming them for like his inability to stop drinking and like all that is not in the movie at all. Right. Yeah. Not it's at completely all. a ghost story starring a crazy guy. But so do you believe the theories about that movie that it's no. about him being a pedophile? No. You don't think so? It's I, about him molesting that kid? No. Huh. I no. kinda do. I mean, maybe that's where Stanley went, but he's such a cryptic filmmaker sometimes that yeah. he leaves a lot to the imagination, and I think that's part of his trick. Mm-hmm. He's so visually interesting, and he leaves such weird stuff in there that like, I think his thing is letting you figure it out, but I don't necessarily think Stanley has an endgame there. It's funny, too, because Frank Darabont, the guy that directed Shawshank Redemption, mm-hmm. I think The Mist and yep. The Green Mile. I think so you're right. he's, he's a big Stephen King guy. Yeah. And he talks shit about Stanley Kubrick, too. Mm-hmm. And he was like, Stanley Kubrick never, like, directs movies from the heart. He yeah. always does it from his head. Yep. And he's a very heady guy. I've heard this. And I think Stephen King is a very, like, heartfelt heart writer. That's exactly and right. And it's like you're missing the kind of point, like, the heart of The Shining or when, anything that yeah. someone would maybe adapt from And him. he's totally right. Yeah. I mean, The Shining stands out as good because stanley took it and made it a stanley kubrick movie but it is not the same like as the right as the book and what you're allowed to do like. i mean the same stuff kind of happens but it's very like stanley kubrick all of his movies are heart like very cold they're all about people going through machines like boot camp mm-hmm. and like just getting put through the grinder and they're like disconnected yeah. and dehumanizing things where like you said, Stephen King is always about like one person's struggle as like a human to get mm-hmm. through stuff and like people find each other. So it's totally interesting to see one guy do another guy's work. And mm-hmm. I get why Stephen hated it. it. It missed the point of the book. But it is funny because with Maximum Overdrive, <laughs> he said, and I think The Shining is like a direct correlation to this, is he said, you know, a lot of people have done Stephen King things, and if you're going to do Stephen King right, you might as well do it yourself. And that's <laughs> oh, what made him man. direct Maximum Overdrive. Yikes. And I think he was, like, hurt by The Shining. Yeah. Because he was probably on top of the world for, like, at the beginning of his career, it looks like The Shining movie came out in 1980. Yeah. And he'd been going probably hard, strong for five, six years on yeah. his book sales, and, like, Carrie came out, and that was he was pretty a rock popular. Star. And then it's like, oh, this guy's movie is super popular, but it had nothing to do with the thing that I wrote. Yeah, he kind of stole Stephen King. Like, it must have stung even more that the movie was good. Yeah. Because he, like, totally diverted from all of what Stephen King did and made it, like, really fucking badass. Yeah. Which, that's what made him start doing coke, too. Yeah. Well, this is an interesting piece of trivia. I heard – so, guys, Maximum Overdrive is a story about trucks coming to life, and we'll talk more about that later, and they kill people. I heard that Stanley Kubrick actually wrote that because he's all about machines and disconnect, <laughs> and he was very displeased with how Stephen King treated it in his direction. Yeah, he was bummed. Yeah, and then he started doing coke. And then he started doing coke. Yeah. 
Um, those guys had beef. And then him and Stephen King made up over a bowl of Coke one night. Mm-hmm. Nothing brings rivals together in Hollywood better than a big bowl of cocaine. Yeah, there's never any, like, tempers going or anything. <laughs> they just, just calms a, everyone down. They just sit in a quiet room together and do Coke. Yeah, like... And calmly just... You know, I was a little hard on the show. <laughs> Can I dip this butt of my cigarette into your, <laughs> into your lips? Put it in my lips. What do you think of The Shining? Um, I like it a lot. I've actually seen that movie a few times. Like, I feel like I've seen that movie like five or six times. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I've seen it probably five or six as I well. I think I might have seen it more than any of his other movies. Well, like me... front, like back to front. You know, like I've dipped into like I've seen Full Metal Jacket a few times, but I've dipped into that because it's so like many different movies in one. Yeah, you're just like, oh, I can watch the first forty five minutes and it's this, and then and the then you can watch the like... last hour and it's just that like it's a weird one. Yeah, I love it though. Yeah, it's great. Well, let me throw some of your questions back at you too because they were really good ones and only I got to answer. Um, what is your favorite Stephen King movie? I like that you think my question was so good that it's multiple questions. <laughs> it kind of is. I just asked what the favorite one is. So. I th- I like Shawshank more, mm-hmm. but I also never read that more than The Shining. But I had never read that short story, so I don't know. With the short story for Shawshank, yeah, okay, Which I never is, read it either. What is it called? Rita Hayworth. Oh, something. Yeah, something weird the like Shawshank. That. I think penitentiary or something like that. It might even just be called Rita Hayworth and the Shawshank Redemption. Maybe, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, Guys I never read it. tweeted us. We're supposed to be the ones doing the research, but. So, Why you know you what I weight? really like is Misery. That yeah. movie is fucking amazing. And so there's certain, like, things that just stereotypically stand out as Stephen King stuff. And for me, it kind of has to be horror. Mm-hmm. So, like, Shawshank. Like, I think Shawshank, Stand By Me, um, The Shining. The Shining's horror, but I'm going to leave that one off. They're, like, great movies, but they don't have, like, the horror element. Like... Yeah. Um, Pet Cemetery scared the shit out of me as a little kid. Scary I don't movie. really know how it holds up now, but it has cheesy. like for me, it's like Stephen King stuff has to be like a horror movie, you mm-hmm. know, for it to be like, oh, this is a true Stephen. This King is thing. real Stephen King. Yeah, um, I think that's what surprised me when I, I I did eventually learn, which happened probably in the last four years. Like I learned that he was the guy that did the Shawshank Redemption and Stand yeah. by Me because I always thought of him as a horror guy. I didn't realize he had done all these other non-horror projects that were so huge yeah and i think uh stand by me is a short story called the body and i wonder if that goes back to his day of fucking pushing that kid in front of the train (laughs) and now there's like a body in the woods by the train tracks for those of you who may be just listening to this episode because you don't read um and you skip the last one stephen king apparently as a young man saw his little boyfriend get hit by a train yeah. not boyfriend like that no like a little gay, boy his gay comma, friend, friend. <laughs> yes exactly his dad used to call him his little boyfriend <laughs> but that's another story um yeah i saw his buddy get hit by a train and like got traumatized and doesn't remember and then later wrote stand by me which is about a bunch of kids finding a dead body so yeah. easy to put those two together he did say that this the thing that happened in stand by me with all the leeches when they go jump in the water and there's like a leech on a kid's dick. Oh. He said that was based on a true thing that happened to him. You know, one time, this is pretty, girls, you might want to turn this off. One time in South Carolina as a young boy, I got a tick on my penis. Hmm. That was really tough to get off. And like 
really just one of the worst experiences of my life. Did it give you Lyme disease where your dick tasted like lime after doing it? Yeah, it did, actually, which is why you always find me putting my dick in my Coronas before I drink them. <laughs> it's, why I, it's why whenever I see Sean, I, my lips are always puckered up. Yeah, and whenever we make homemade guacamole at parties here, I stop everyone and I drag my dick through it a couple times. <laughs> yeah. yeah, just because you want that lime flavor. Guys, if you can, avoid getting any kind of bite or insect um, on your genitals. Yeah, that's got to be fucking terrifying. It was terrible. My mommy had to pull it off for me. Really? Mm -hmm. I was like seven years old. Did she have to do like the match head thing? Isn't that a thing where you like burn a match and then you quickly stick it to a tick? You can do that. And it was discussed, I believe. But she wound up using some kind of a credit card trick where you like... Mm, she like swiped it, paid a doctor, and then they came and pulled yeah, it off. Yeah, she's like, him. look, just take our fucking money. Get <laughs> off my son's dick. And the tick was like, I'm taking a card. What's your zip code? I'm not um, a stupid lady. Like, I know I need some info with Oh, this. Charlie Kaufman's back in the <laughs> studio. Um, so Stand By Me and Misery were both directed by Rob Reiner. So there's these, like, big people yeah. in Hollywood who just have, like, a deep connection to uh, Mr. King. Stephen King. And uh, Kathy Bates is in Misery and Dolores Claiborne. I know, which is really interesting. She must like Stephen King because those sure. are two killer. Those are the best Kathy Bates roles. Yeah. Unless we're talking about what is that? That time she was butt naked in yeah. uh, that movie with Jack Nicholson. Mm -hmm. Everyone, it's everyone applauded her because they're like, "You are disgusting, and you just don't care." <laughs> Good She's for you, like, babe. I know. <laughs> Good for her. Yeah, I think that's pretty cool. Was that she... as good as it gets? No, it's um, about Schmidt. Oh, about Schmidt. Um, and she does some really good, like, swearing in Misery. Have you seen that movie? Yeah, Misery's great. Yeah. It's James Caan, right? Yeah, and she's like, you cock-a-dooty. <laughs> <laughs> she's like a religious lady. But then at the end, she's like, you cocksucker, motherfucker. <laughs> like, yeah, and she's flipping her wig. Fucking terrifying. It's really good. Yeah. I mean, the hobbling scene... Like, lives on forever. It's I was going to say, like, Stephen King has brought so much bizarre shit into the pop culture. Yeah. We're like, the only reason you and I know what hobbling is. I'd never is heard that word him. before. Who has? And I don't even think they say it in the movie. Who? Yeah, who knows about any of this stuff? She won an Oscar for that, too, I think. She did. That's the Kathy Bates Oscar. Yeah. Um, I heard that he had the idea for that story on a plane to England, and then he got there and wrote, like, half of the book just by hand. He's a fucking gangster. In the hotel, yeah. He's amazing. He's amazing, yeah. Come like, on. I can't get over it. It's That's literally like a cocktail napkin idea, and His, he just turned it into misery. Well, th did we talk about that before? That's like, the way he writes is like, his. he just likes a what if. He loves kind a what of a if, suggestion, yeah. he which just is goes from there. What happens, like, what if an author gets kidnapped by his biggest fan? I know. And that's it. Like, and it's such, perfect. And, and his imagination it. is so vivid that he can just jump off from that. And that's it. I heard, actually, I read today doing a little Stephen King research that um, there have been a couple people in the past who were like terminal cancer patients, but they were mega fans. And they like really wanted to know how the Dark Tower ends. Oh. And he would get these requests from like the Make-A-Wish Foundation. And he'd have to go there and be like, you know, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's not like when like robert downey jr brings a dying kid like shows up dressed as iron man yeah and, like, like and plays the movie for them like yeah. it's a rough cut like the oh, vfx is it's finished, the opposite of like, that yeah he goes Stephen and like, like man i wish i could tell you but i'll tell you something really scary about cancer yeah, yeah exactly <laughs> he goes there and he like kneels down by the kid's bed and takes their hand and they're like stephen king and he's like yeah it's me they're like how does 
the Roland yeah. end up at the end? How does the Dark Tower end? And he's like, you know, I'm a discovery writer, right? Like, I actually <laughs> don't fucking know. And I probably won't know until well, 20 you know, years from now. The best thing, if you want, oh, I can spoil this for you at the end of the Dark Tower. I'm sure. not going to spoil the ending, but he actually has two endings to it. Of course he does. So he has an ending, and it ends. And then he goes, if you want, you can keep reading. And now here's the next ending. Oh, wow. So he has like a little note to the reader that says like, here's how it really ends. It might make you mad. So you can stop with the other ending that like leaves it all tied up in a bow. Whoa. But if you want, you can continue on. And I'm going to piss you off real bad. (laughs) (laughs) Is it super? No, it's totally fitting. But it is like. We know that it all takes place in his head. So is it like he wakes up from a cat nap or something? No, he wakes up in bed as a dying child in a Make a Wish Foundation. And Stephen (laughs) King is kissing him on the lips. He's like, it was all in my head. Why does your penis taste like lime, Mr. King? (laughs) When I was a boy, that is a very Stephen King kind of backstory to get bit by a a tick on your wiener and have like a weird Lyme (laughs) disease. Lyme mouth. Yeah. He was a healthy boy, but in fall of 1956, and he was running through the woods playing Davy Crockett, a tick bit him on the penis. Changed and he his became life forever. famous Red Sox player. <laughs> yeah, number three. <laughs> number three. <laughs> the Babe. tick who bit Tom Gordon. <laughs> Babe, the truth, Ruth. <laughs> um, I think this guy has played it right in Hollywood. I think that he was smart enough to direct one movie and realize it's not for him or for us. And say, all right, I'm going to leave that to more capable hands, but I'm still happy to sell my fucking stories. Yeah, so that was the quote of uh, Maximum Overdrive. Someone said, have you ever thought, like, why haven't you decided to direct a movie after Maximum Overdrive? And he said, go watch Maximum Overdrive. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And it makes perfect sense. I love, like, that he learned a lesson. And he's like, yeah, this is not for me. This is really hard. It's a total, it's like just another, it's like a different muscle in your brain to be able to do that. Yeah, absolutely. Well, it's like he's not, um, he's he's a talented novelist and and storyteller, but I think that doesn't necessarily translate into like running a set and planning a film shoot. No, and also kind of like judging by his taste in music Mm -hmm. and probably films. Yeah. Like, he's kind of like a simple man. Yeah. In terms of those tastes and like... You're going to come up with a simple movie, you know? Yeah. Like, his favorite bands are ACDC. BTO. Bachman Turner Overdrive. Yeah. Probably, like, Blue Oyster Cult. Yeah, like, Iggy <laughs> Pop guess. or something. Like, or ZZ Top, Yeah, for ZZ sure. Top. You know he's got a lot of ZZ top. top plays a big role in the Dark Tower, too. Do they really? Yeah. Of course they do. Yeah, well, he's really good with that kind of... He's the most American of all writers. Like, yeah. He's like your baseball coach dad. He really is, which is why he, I think he's so accessible in his movies and books. Mm-hmm. He just like has no shame about incorporating pop culture that we all enjoy. Right, like his favorite drink is like Coca-Cola. You yeah, know? Like, exactly. He's just one of these like Americana guys. He likes baseball, soda, and monsters. <laughs> like, Yeah, he's like a cool dad. And monster energy drinks. And for some reason, monster energy drinks and dirt biking. <laughs> And the X Games. His favorite band now is Sugar Ray. <laughs> now. <laughs> I think, um, God, it's funny, like, going through his IMDb, so many movies I didn't realize he was responsible for. And even ones I did know but forgot, like Thinner. I know, Thinner. That's a Bachman book. It's a Bachman book. It's a BTO book. And uh, That I'm, movie's not that good. 
No, thinner's not that good. Thinner. <laughs> I, I used to think it was so good when I was a kid. I know. Though. It's not that solid. That guy, it's about a big fat guy who's an a-hole lawyer. Right. And one day his wife is sucking his little penis in the car while they're driving and he hits an old gypsy woman. Right. <laughs> and kills her. Uh, and then but, her daughter or mom I, is like think, thinners him. Yeah, it's it's either the gypsies or the old woman's dying breath. No, it's the, it's at the funeral. The gypsy daughter of the old woman just touches him and goes, Thin. <laughs> and that's it. Yeah, and then he just keeps losing weight until he's like. But that's a good like. What if like what if you got a curse on you where you just get skinny? Yeah, what if a fat person got like a thinner curse for hitting yeah. a gypsy? <laughs> but I love that kind of stuff with Stephen King too. It's like it's like sort of like some of it's like weirdly racist. <laughs> it is. Well, none of that would fly today. Like people, you know, ghost stories were always about Indian burial grounds and like mysterious gypsies, which I kind of honestly miss. I realize it's racist, and I realize it's like. It totally a shitty stereotype of those cultures, but goddamn, do I miss that stuff? Right, and also when you kind of take a big picture of it, like maybe white people deserve to be cursed by gypsies, by gypsies and Native Americans. Mm-hmm. Like, I guess we kind of have it coming. We right? have it like, coming, and it, it's totally fair in those stories. It's just weird because it demonizes them as like evilly super. Right, they're like voodoo people, but but what I miss about that kind of world is that like there was mystery to it. You know, like it's a culture you don't understand, and it's like. The the ignorance of it makes it a little spooky. Right. Well, and there's just kind of the go-to supernatural. Like, you don't have to over-explain it. You kind of yeah. just get the, like, here it is. It's an Indian burial ground, yep, pet that's cemetery, it. that's it. Like, mm-hmm. now we're off and running. You don't need to spend time, like, like doing the science of what makes yeah. a curse. <laughs> yeah. Why is the Indian burial ground haunted? Right. Like... Yeah, because once you go down that road, um, that's what the movie's about. Then it's not about the actual like yeah, scary you're like stuff over explaining. It's like some of those sci-fi movies and stories where they get caught up explaining the gear or like how the ship works, and like yeah. the story just stalls out where they're like the, the galactic interpolator. Well, that's like <laughs> Interstellar made a really wrong move when they're <sighs> like it's all science based, but now we're just going to say love traverses the universe. Yeah, very annoying movie. And you know who was supposed to make that movie originally? Steven Spielberg. He would have done a better job. He should have fucking done that movie. Mm -hmm. Because he would have been able to do the love thing. I think... um, I have a theory about Christopher Nolan. And he tries to put this uh, human touch on everything. Mm -hmm. But I don't think he's a human being. He's too Kubrickian. He's a robot. And he is like... (laughs) This is a great theory. He thinks, like... (laughs) This is what humans think love is. Yeah. It's Matthew McConaughey crying into a camera this is about who, his kids. Who were we seeing this about recently on here? It was one of these Stevens was like a psycho trying to imitate people. Or maybe it was Tom Cruise or someone. But uh, we I mean, were, he's, we, he's definitely one of those for yeah, sure. Yeah, we were like, this guy's not a person. He's like pretending yeah. to be and like taking note of like how, pe- how people act. And then imitating, like, I was sad the cat died, too. Yeah. And then well, it's he, like, like, puts like, his head in his hands but doesn't cry. Christopher Nolan thinks, like, if I say the word love, mm-hmm. that will, like, explain how these two characters feel about each other. I think you're right. Like, he doesn't understand. Like, he's too uh, cerebral, and that's kind of it, you know? Yeah. Which can be good. In the right movie, for sure. But. Like, Memento, wasn't that him? Yeah. Like, that's a perfect that's vehicle probably his, for Maybe him. that's, like, his best movie. It might be his best movie. Because it's about a guy who, like, forgets everything and has to, like, 
like refer back to his programming in order to like <laughs> get along in the world. Yeah, a guy who has to constantly examine drawings and diagrams yeah. to understand reality. He's like, oh yeah, C plus <laughs> plus means memento in love. What did you think about Christopher Nolan's Batman franchise? Uh, I thought it was pretty good. Mm-hmm. I don't remember liking the last one that much. The last one I thought I kind of liked the first one a lot. Yeah, because that too. one was like the most comic booky. It was. I, I think that like you're you don't have to go. Uh, I thought Dark Knight was really good, but it's like you don't need to like step out of that world. You can still have it be like a little fantastical, like Batman Begins was. Yeah, and I that, agree. and I like a movie like that that's epic that kind of goes places. It's like he's in the fucking snow, and then he's in like a ninja castle, and yeah. then he's in like. He's in it's, Gotham. It has like a very epic feel to it that the Dark Knight didn't. It felt almost like a, uh, which I guess is probably good, right? It felt like kind of a noirish, yeah thing. But that's kind of the what Batman is, though, right? I guess it is. I thought those movies were all way overrated, yeah. but I did like the Dark Knight of the three because it felt like Ninja Turtles one. I love Ninja Turtles one. To me, it felt like a really I don't know what the word is. I guess gritty New York crime but superhero-y you know what i mean like remember yeah. in ninja turtles one when they go to like the foot clan hideaway and like mm-hmm. it's There's, like should... a real sense of like danger to it yeah like it should be ridiculous but it's like but what did you think scary? about ninja turtles 2 when vanilla ice says <laughs> ninja ninja rap <laughs> i um i i guess i liked it <laughs> i always liked secret of the ooze <laughs> it was a pretty good movie but i thought they got a little carried away with the time travel in three Oh yeah, me too. They go to like, and they changed turkey. up the puppets too. Oh, and then they had like freckles and stuff. It was really weird. Can we like say R.I.P. Ninja Turtles? Yeah, there's been some awful resuscitations. Yeah, almost one might say like the Pet Cemetery. Like yeah, that thing has been buried and raised again. Sometimes and dead is better. Sometimes dead is better. Um, <laughs> that's so good. <laughs> the ground is sour. Don't bury the turtles there. God damn it. You know, at one time, um. Ninja Turtles, the first movie, was the highest grossing movie ever in terms of ratio. Mm-hmm. It was like, because it was an independent movie, technically. Wow. Like, it that. was a low budget movie, and it made just like millions and millions of fucking dollars. Damn. Yeah. And I think that was Jim Henson, too, right? Or Jim, like, the Henson Workshop made those puppets. Probably. I mean, who else? Hey, like, quote the... me on it. Okay. <laughs> I think that's a good new catchphrase for us. Hey, quote quote me me on that. (laughs) I'm doubling down on my bullshit. Yeah, Yeah, at that time, I mean, who else was making puppets like that good? Because those turtle suits, this is another thing. Those turtle suits look so good compared to, like, the Michael Bay CGI turtles. Like, damn, these guys just stapled some felt to, like, a rubber shell, and it looked looked way better. Yeah. What are we doing here? And you know Corey Feldman was one of those voices? I thought you were going to make a felt joke. Corey, Corey Feltman? Feltman. <laughs> yeah, Corey Fe- Did you know that Corey Feltman was one of the turtle shell costumes? I wish I did. I guess I've heard that. And but- he's in Stand By Me. Oh my God, you're right. So we're back to Stephen King. Corey Feldman, what a sad, sad mm-hmm. little boy. I go back and forth with him. I'm like, I feel bad for him, but also like, shut the fuck up. Yeah, he's annoying now. Yeah. Was it him or Corey Haim that got butt fucked by Charlie Sheen? Could it be both? 
I'm sure it could be. Charlie Sheen has two dicks. It could have been at the same time. <laughs> Quote me on that. Of all the rumors about Charlie Sheen, <laughs> I've never heard that one. Charlie Sheen, the brother of Emilio Estevez, has the two star dicks. of Maximum Overdrive. That's right. That's absolutely right. Coach Bombay. What's Coach? Oh, is that his name in Mighty Ducks? <laughs> yeah. I'll be damned. I think um, I was trying desperately to find this earlier, but there are really good stories about Stephen King being really high on coke and being extremely difficult on movie sets. I know. That's the thing. I've just like heard rumors about it, but never like a firsthand yeah. story. And I can't find it in print. Yeah. But I've heard again and again, like just through the grapevine of Hollywood. Yeah, like, I just want details because he said the same – like. He has said it himself. Mm-hmm. I was very high on cocaine, but it's such like a vague, boring. I know. I want to know what he did. Yeah. Like, did he punch someone? Did he or like, like, throw stuff? I want to know. Like, was he doing coke in front of people on set, or was he going back to his trailer and like sweating because the air conditioner didn't work in there? And he's like, does he seem like a guy with a temper to you? Like, was he? Do you think he would flip out? I think. At that time, I could definitely see it. Like an ego trip kind of he thing? He seems very sm- gentle and subdued now, but I think back then... I think that's because he's been sober for so long. Yeah. I think he's one of those guys who's like found peace, but back then when like it's his creative vision and he's just on as much coke as millions of dollars can afford and... Um, you know, people are kind of pushing back on stuff he wants to do. Like, I could see him fucking flying off the handle. Yeah. You know what's amazing is that with that in mind that him and his wife tabitha have been together for like 40 years that's amazing and that like she was with him when carrie was written and she didn't leave him when he was like coke binging and shit a coke monster maybe she was a coke monster she might have been i always wonder about tabitha king because she seems like such a nice little old grandma but you know stephen king is like partied hard in front of her she's probably partied hard too i'm sure that he's like the way he writes about fucking down sometimes you know tabitha king's been Mm -hmm. through the the ringer with him i'm (laughs) sure you're like huh but have you ever seen a picture of her no she looks like you're a little old english teacher really Mm -hmm. and it's kind of crazy to imagine yeah and she's actually a, a novelist too yeah which sadly she's like constantly overlooked by i know just everyone. to be like reminded of that all the time that's got to be rough fuck i was watching something recently where it's like i don't know there was a couple oh i remember it was this documentary about this guy wayne white who did all the sets for like Wee's playhouse and stuff and he's a pretty like famous artist in the artist scene and his wife is an artist too but it's like he is so popular I don't know how that would, like, weigh on you in a relationship of knowing, like, look, we, we, we both do the same thing, and she's but my bad. husband is, like, super famous, or my wife is super famous. Yeah. You know, it's like... It's like Maury Povich and Connie Chung. Yeah, but they're, like, equally famous, right? I guess that's a good point. Yeah. yeah. No, you're right. You're right. But then it's also like, oh, my career got a boost, but it's only because my girlfriend or my wife's art... Is like, it's like she's it. they they like know about me because of her. Do you think you could hang in that kind of relationship? No, I don't think I'm I too could fragile. Either. I'm too fragile too. I would definitely want to be doing different stuff, which is ironic because my fiance and I do exactly the same thing for a living. Yeah, but, but that boat no, is big enough for everybody. That boat's big enough for everyone, and there's not a lot of ego in what we do because it's what not if, like our passion project. What if Lauren and Amy had a podcast? 
and they were like way more popular than us. That would never happen. <laughs> <laughs> Quote Not, me on that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. No, they they could actually. It could totally happen because I could. They're both very funny and very smart women. And they could tap into something that women want to hear, which is definitely not us. And it could take off way harder. Yeah. You never know. And yeah, I'd be really jealous and I'd probably quit podcasting. (laughs) (laughs) But I'd be fine with it. I'd be fine with it. I'd just go to the bar with my boys. (laughs) And move to New England, go to the bar. Yeah, me and and Ben Affleck would go to the bar together. We'd get a bunch of apples. And then we'd paddle each other out (laughs) back, chase some kids around with paddles. Um (laughs) <laughs> I thought of a story that I wanted to tell about Stephen King in the middle of that, which is that in the 80s, at the height of his fame, this is how fucking famous and popular he was. He went to lunch in New Jersey with Bruce Springsteen, because, like, of course, they're friends. Mm-hmm. And they're at some restaurant, and, like, they noticed some 17-year-old girl was, like, totally making eyes at them. Was she ogling them? She was ogling them. And then she got up and came over and was like, I'm really sorry to like bother you guys, but like I'm such a huge fan, and like I just wanted to see if I could get an autograph. And Bruce Springsteen's like, Yeah, of course. And he like stands up to get a pen, and she pulls out a Stephen King book <laughs> and just totally like nice. turns her back to him. Is that the first? Is that the first and the last time that's ever happened? To, uh, I don't Bruce know, but oh, maybe. But it's like when Bruce Springsteen was like a hot young buck on MTV, right. but she was there to see Stephen. Yeah. She's like, I don't even know who this bum is. Like, Stephen King, will you sign Misery for me? Do you think that's ever happened where she goes up to Bruce Springsteen and Steve Van Zant and she's like, <laughs> little Steven, can you sign my Sopranos DVD? Oh, my God. This fucking Steven Van Zant. Well, I guess we can talk about it on the Steven Van Zant episode. Which we have to do. Yeah, of course. He's a big enough Steven, I think, for oh, me. Oh, for sure, yeah. That little fucking fat pig. I love What's that guy. What's his name in, uh, in Sopranos? Ooh. Sill? Is it Sill? Might be Sill. Yeah, he's the consigliere. It's been a long time since I watched that show. Yeah, I need to watch it again. Who's your favorite soprano? Uh, in terms of like... I feel like my favorite actor on that show was Michael Imperioli. Really? He like was so good. And you know, there's a story about him too. His character was supposed to be killed in the first season. But he was so good that they're like, we're keeping this guy around. Smart move. Yeah. Christopher's like he's amazing and I think he went through the biggest journey of all of them and he like sat on a dog and killed it like oh yeah there's there's a lot of really good stuff in there he sat on a fucking dog she what's his what's his girlfriend's name in that uh oh god is it April no it's Adrian Adrian Adriana Adriana yeah yeah I think that's it she comes home and he's heroined out on the couch (laughs) and she's like where's Bucky or whatever the dog's name and he's like huh <laughs> yeah, and like then he like stands ass. up and there's just a dog he's just been squishing on like, oh for like hours yeah that's terrifying that's brutal it's that's brutal. some stephen king shit that is some stephen king where it's shit. just like, like he the, sat on a dog and it changed his life the darkness of your soul where you're just like so fucked up mm-hmm. that you smushed your little dog that's part of the original shining in the book that like I think might be the pedophile stuff people are picking up on in the movie, maybe, is that in the book, um, Jack Torrance, the dad, got drunk and got mad at Danny and, like, grabbed him and broke his arm. And, oh, like, yeah. it was, like, a big deal uh-huh. and, like, tortures him. But yeah. he's also, like, mad because everyone's always judging him. Like, mm. if he has one beer, everyone's like, well, remember the time he broke right. the kid's arm? It's funny because I read, like, the first 50 pages of that book and I remember all that stuff. Yeah. It just yeah. adds so much. Mm-hmm. 
you know? Yeah, it's such, like, a heavy weight that weighs on you. Yeah, and it gives him a reason. Like, I just love the idea of, like, he did that wrong, but he's resenting everyone for, mm-hmm. like, continuing to hold it against him. Yeah. Like, it makes him mad. But it's like, you were wrong, dude. Yeah. Like, don't be mad about it. Yeah, but he, like, gets... He well, feels bad and bad, and then he gets mad that they're making him feel bad. It's so human, you know? Well, that's, like, in that same thing when Stephen King was talking about how Kubrick fucked it up. He was saying, like, this whole book is about, like, when parents... They get so mad at their kids, they just want to eat them. It's just wow. like, I just want to fucking kill you. Yeah. <laughs> but then Stephen King was like, yeah, but you know what? In a way, like, um, that kid had it good because his dad was around and mine was never there. Well, <laughs> way to be that guy, Stephen. I know. <laughs> and it's like, well, I think some kids would rather not have a dad than, like, have their dad Jack yank Torrance. them around <laughs> yeah. by the arm. Like. And have their dad drag them to a haunted hotel and try <laughs> yeah. to kill them with an axe. Like, yeah. Okay, Steven. Yeah. I think maybe it's better that your dad just took off. Yeah. <laughs> Personally. Quote me on that. Quote me on that, bruh. Um, you know, we haven't done this in a while, but I, I wouldn't mind stepping into the tasting room. We're sipping some good wine here. Let's do it. Let's go. <sighs> I always start off with going, ah. <sighs> I just like to get a breath of fresh air before <laughs> sipping on some Cabernet Sauvignon. Which, ladies and gentlemen, is exactly what we're sipping. Now, today we're dealing with a gnarly head, which is everyone's favorite joke wine. <laughs> <laughs> it's the surfer's favorite way to get a blowy. Getting some gnarly head, man. <laughs> Cabernet Sauvignon. This girl had snaggle teeth, dog. She gave me gnarly head. <laughs> um, let's taste this wine. All right, let's try to keep our <laughs> throats clear on this slurp. <laughs> oh, yes. Oh, oh, so close. That was so good. And you know, it always helps me taste the flavors as I'm struggling back, <laughs> choking to death on wine. We need to talk about Stevan, the show where two men gurgle wine into a microphone and then choke... And then laugh, and classical music is playing. Um, Do we know who plays this classical piece? Yes, it's the uh, composer known as Royalty Free. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yes, from the Renaissance. Yes, it sounds like a very aristocratic name. Yeah, it's definitely the Romantic period, for sure. Royal, the letter T, period, (laughs) (laughs) F-R-E. F-R-E-I-G-H. Well, I do think this is a good wine, actually. We had some shitty wine last time. We had, like, a Magnum bottle of Woodbridge, which is basically oh, that's, hobo wine. I think that, did we, we skipped wine, the cellar notes. Was this, yeah. what's this segment called? <laughs> yeah, I think it's the tasting room. Okay. We skipped the tasting room for Stephen King last time because we were so excited to talk about I Stephen know. King. We actually, it's funny, if you listen to the last episode, all of our segments come one after the other right at the, like, last ten minutes. I know. Because we forgot we had segments. Yeah. That's how much we love this guy. So this uh, wine actually smells kind of uh, tannic. Hmm. I would agree with that. It um, tastes that's like also it too. Little... James Cameron directed that movie. <laughs> I love the tannic. <laughs> All right, let's close up the tasting room yeah. on that James Cameron-y note. Ah, tasting. Tastes good. Sean, what is your uh, favorite James Cameron movie? What a good question. I could do a whole episode on him if his name was Steven. Maybe his middle name's Steven. You never know. We should look this up. Yeah. I think my favorite James Cameron movie is Terminator 2. Without a doubt. It's really tough to beat T2 for me. 
that might be one of my favorite movies ever. Oh yeah, I if think... we can, if we're allowed to go, like, see, I don't like the question, like, what's your favorite movie ever? Mm. I'd rather do like genre, and then be like, let me do a top three. I agree of with that. the genre. I agree with that. I think you know because T two would be like best action movie ever. Yeah, and I think you could even go as simple as movies and like favorite films and favorite movies. Now, when it comes to movies, I'm going to say Terminator 2 is up there with, like, Jurassic, Jurassic Park, Park for me. Yeah. Like, these are my – somewhere in my top five for sure. Yeah. Um, and then my second, like, my art house James Cameron would be The Abyss. Hmm. That's, like, a weird a weird one, but I love See, The Abyss. See, I like uh, True Lies more than The Abyss. Really? Yeah. Interesting. I think True Lies is really good. It's really fucking it's good. It's, like, really smart. It goes on for eight fucking hours. It's so long. And it's I so love good. that. But it's like the ultimate Arnold movie. Bill Paxton. It's also the ultimate Tom Arnold movie. Yeah, and Bill Paxton <laughs> pisses his pants while being like hung over a cliff. <laughs> you know, I would love to watch True Lies with you one night. Yeah, let's do we it. We should do that. That would yeah. be, that's a good one. And at the end he like flies a Harrier jet. Like it just gets yeah. so insane. Yeah, it's amazing. And it's Arnold at his buffest. Yeah, he's huge. He's huge. No, he's gotta be bigger in Terminator. In like the first one. Because that's right. when he, he's like You're right. 26 or something. You're right. He's just old man Diesel in um, True Lies. Yeah, he's bigger, though, because he has like... He's, he's got like, like fatter. <laughs> that Alec Baldwin thing, like where your head grows like four times the size. Yeah, he definitely those guys have the same thing. Like they don't necessarily they get, wider. get fat. They just get stockier and wider. Is it like a gravity thing where it's just like... Stuff blows out for I some reason. I guess so, but I've always wondered that. Like, because, yeah, how do you get to be such a bull? Because there's plenty of old guys that, like, get really thin. <laughs> yeah, Stephen King was heavy, and he got really thin in his yeah. old age. Like, he did if, get hit by a van, though. Well, that'll take some weight off you, yeah. for sure. Getting, like, thrown 30 feet clear by a Chrysler caravan. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I saw a picture of the van that hit him today. Oh, really? Yeah. It's, um... It's a cute van. It's like wood paneling on the side and stuff. Oh, I like that, yeah. Does not look like a death machine. How ironic, actually, that he made Maximum Overdrive about cars out to kill people. And Christine. And Christine about a car out to kill people. And then him himself. So you've never seen Christine, huh? No, I've seen the last like 30 minutes when yeah. it's like trying really hard. The car's trying so hard to kill that person <laughs> uh -huh. and just can't. That movie's funny because it's like about a nerd who becomes like hot shit because he gets a sweet <laughs> car. <laughs> That's it's like Stephen cool. King's fantasy. Yeah, I love that kind of stuff. Yeah. The car makes him cool. Yeah, I mean, it is a fucking sweet car. Yeah, it's a and 57 John Chevy, right? John Carpenter made that movie, love so it. he did all the music. I he's love got an eye. him so much. Yeah, you but, know he's a famous a-hole, right? You know, you told me that, and it really bummed me out. Yeah, you should watch. There's a um, documentary series that our very good friend works on called the director's chair with robert rodriguez and oh he just yeah. sits down and like talks to directors i know who works on and these. even in that like he's an asshole in just a one-on-one -on -one, you can just tell john carpenter is just a prick he's, he's got just... like a stick up his ass about something what's his problem i love his work so he's much just a um i don't know i think it comes with the type of personality who wants to do absolutely everything so he wants Control to write freak. it direct it do the music edit it yeah produce it he's that guy you know does a good job and i think he's he might even be like one of these bootstraps kind of guys oh boy we hate bootstrap boys on yeah. this show so much yeah well fuck him if that's the case i think he is he's just kind of like 
oh, you can't make a movie? I did fucking five rolls on it. Like, you go do one. Yeah. It's like, okay, guy. Like, you know, I don't. Some people aren't like, first of all, some people don't have it. Some people aren't as like talented as you. Like, yeah. There's plenty of things. Give of... everyone a break. Dick. Yeah. I love that Stephen King's not that guy. And, I, and I'll say this too about John Carpenter before we leave him in the ditch like a dead old dog. Um, I have, I don't know much about him being an a-hole, but I did lose respect for him because he said in the, his first movie, I think assault on precinct 13, there's a scene early on where a gang like rolls up on a kid in an ice cream truck and just shoots the kid down mm. and like moves on, which is like horrifying. Right. And it was kind of a famous cult moment in movie history mm. anyway. Cause like people don't usually kill kids like that yeah. in movies. And John Carpenter said he wished he never did it cause he's mm. like, I don't know. I just feel bad for the kid. Like, it was oh. too far. And it's like, no, no man. fuck off. That's Be- like what made that movie special. That's what made Maximum Overdrive special. Yeah. A, um, what are they called? A cement roll? Like, what are those things oh, called? A steamroller. A steamroller comes <laughs> yeah. and squishes a kid Runs on a right baseball over. field. He's 12 years old, a little leaguer, and his head explodes. Yeah, and they show it. <laughs> yeah. Which you could never do today. And so I was reading the trivia for that, and he wanted... Um, Stephen King wanted the steamroller to ro- roll over this kid's head and, like, have blood splatter on the roller. So then as it, like, went on the grass, it painted a new line filled with blood. Of course. And it didn't happen. And all that happened was the head exploded and shot blood straight back at the camera. And he's like, I kind of like that more. <laughs> <laughs> but then yeah. the sensors made him cut it. Well, it's insane. Yeah, to, it's to show gnarly. That. But you still, you don't see, like, the head explode, but you see, like... A real crunch action. In you see movie. the kid basically just get rolled under the steamroller. <laughs> yeah. Like it's enough. It's, it's graphic. Enough. I just don't enjoy when artists walk that stuff back. I know. It's like just own it, dude. You did it. Yeah. You can. You know. But to be fair, in the last episode, we did talk about Stephen King taking the rage. rage off. Yeah, I I see similarities, but I did also say that I didn't really like that. Yeah. I, I understand that why he did it, but even he was like, look. No, but even that, so that's even like a, uh, it's kind of a different thing because that's making a way bigger statement because the whole book's premise is about that. Mm-hmm. Like, look, you pushed a few buttons in a scene and a kid gets killed in an ice cream truck. Like, maybe, I don't really remember that movie, but that's like a horrific thing to show how bad these people are. Well, you're establishing so like, the evilness of your villain. Yeah. Whereas I think the book Rage is kind of a just a school shooting fantasy book, yeah. From what I've heard, yeah. And there's no, I don't know. I think it's a little different. I don't think that John Carpenter showed the kid get killed because he wanted to see a kid get killed. I think it right. was like that's how bad these guys are, and like that's who our heroes are. Up well, against. he he could have also just been like, "This would be pretty badass." These yeah. guys just, like, and he very well may have been, yeah. and maybe that's why he regrets it. Who yeah. knows? You know. Yeah. But um. That's too bad he's an asshole. I'm surprised to hear he regrets anything, honestly. Yeah, me too. From he, what I know about this guy, I'm like, <laughs> he's like, I stand by it, suck my dick. Who would you rather have to be like um, an assistant to him or James Cameron on set? Because that's another fucking famous asshole. He's like a Chevy Chase level asshole. I feel like if you bust your ass for both those guys, you're going to get way farther in your career with James Cameron. Fuck yeah, you will. I think that oh, if yeah. you prove yourself to James Cameron, he's like, all right, bud, you graduated from boot camp. Like, yeah. boot camp was 10 years, 
but guess what? Like you just made it through camera camp. Yeah, you're you're making like three mil a year now working for me. I know someone who has and I worked. think John Carpenter would be like, uh, "Can you pull that synth out of my car?" And like, <laughs> yeah, will you can help me? You tune up my synth. And you're like, this guy's Jesus a Christ! Why are you always smoking around me? Leave me yeah, alone. You look gr- you look like David Carradine's <laughs> nutsack. <laughs> he looks like <laughs> David Carradine in that closet. Oh, oh my god. He looks like uh, Thailand, David Carradine. He doesn't look, yeah. look like... You look like David Carradine, the Discovery, <laughs> constantly. Well, I will say I know someone very close to me who's worked with James Cameron since Terminator 1, and they say that he has every bit deserved that reputation. Mm-hmm. But like you said, if you get on his good side through hard work, like you're fine. Yeah, I think that you have to have it in you, though, to like bust fucking ass and you have to be willing to work around someone who's constantly losing their temper at everything right and like it might not be targeted at you but the stress level of just being 12 hours a day with someone who like fucking goes god fucking damn it well did you hear that story about the guy who poisoned everyone on set of titanic no a crew member went to fucking catering and dropped like a bunch of pcp into all the food on the set of Titanic, and everyone got like really fucking ill. I'm guys. The reason I'm not talking is I'm making a face. Yeah, this is real, and I can't fucking believe this. Yeah. Face. So they all tripped on PCP for yeah. a day. That's so dangerous. Was Quote was it a water it. scene? I wonder. No, I don't know. I don't know when it was, but I think some crew member was like, "Fuck this, fuck James Cameron," but then fucked everyone else. And I'm sure James Cameron doesn't even eat the catering. No. He's <laughs> so, the only one that's like, why is everyone so goddamn yeah. fucking out of it today? <laughs> I want period food from the Titanic. <laughs> oh, yeah. I He's probably that guy. An Atlantic lobster, thawed, <laughs> thermidored, in my trailer. <laughs> now! <laughs> also, Kathy Bates is in that movie. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> she's, what is she, the heart of the ocean? Yeah, well, it's... No, she's the unsinkable Misery Brown. I thought you were going to say she takes off all her clothes and gets in the lobster pot. <laughs> well, she played the lobster. Got her. <laughs> she's like i'm gonna slink in here just get my skivvies off and my big fat fucking ass in this old boiling pot um <laughs> she's like i'm gonna hobble your eyes right now <laughs> i wonder did they catch that guy i don't know hobble your eyes that's pretty good your eyes they're gonna break i'm taking my ass out i'm gonna hobble those cockadoodle eyes right now <laughs> cockadoodle doo here comes my butt <laughs> I mean, that's got to be like time in prison, like PCPing a set full of people. <laughs> yeah. That's insane. Yeah, and man. also kind of funny. Oh, it was Clam Chowder. Of course. This is a Vice article. It says, remembering when the Titanic crew ate PCP spiked Clam Chowder. I mean, of all the things the to perpetrator was with. never found. They never found out who did uh-uh. it? I think he went down with the heart of the ocean. Damn. He played till the end. Oh, and it says Bill Paxton and James Cameron got sick. On PCP. Yeah. But uh, Leonardo DiCaprio and Kate Winslet were spared as neither had any scenes on that set that day. Of course. Leonardo probably would have just enjoyed himself. <laughs> like, I'm... hey, I think we're all on PCP. So <laughs> I bet it was uh, a crew member, right? For sure. It was some Even fucking lighting guy found, or something. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. It was a grip. 
I bet some yeah, biker guy was like, they got for this yelled shit. at. Yeah, some teamster. I had to work eight hours today. This is crap. There was probably some teamster whose wife didn't fucking fill his tummy and drain his balls. <laughs> and he was sleepy. I'm disgruntled. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gruntled. <laughs> yeah, I'm hungry. My balls are full. I'm gruntled. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. I agree. <laughs> I'm going to go and find... I'm gonna go and find a guy in Nova Scotia who's got the PCP hook. Oh my god. We should just make a horror movie called Gruntled. <laughs> we should make a podcast called Gruntled. That's a good idea. Yeah. Oh my Where god. Where we just talk about bootstraps. <laughs> that should be our fake alt right podcast. Yeah. Gruntled <laughs> with Damon and <laughs> Damon and Gavin. <laughs> Guess what's got me gruntled today? <laughs> Libtard. <laughs> Dirty shirts. I want to know when we're going to hear about these emails. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> That's so fucking Did good. you know she had a Blackberry? You're <laughs> using a Blackberry. <laughs> what an old bummer. <laughs> I'm gruntled. <laughs> Thinner. <laughs> yeah. Emails. <laughs> What if a fat guy just became emails? <laughs> <laughs> the gypsy just went. Maybe Hillary Clinton did something wrong, and a gypsy just touched her one day and said, "Emails, maybe." I mean, it kind of seems that way. Yeah, because otherwise, this doesn't make any <laughs> fucking sense. Gypsies, I'm Other- scapegoating. Yeah, you. <laughs> we're otherwise we're not here today. Yeah, this wouldn't make any sense. This must be some sort of gypsy intervention that's brought us into this hellscape <laughs> that we're currently dwelling upon. Good lord. This has been a very Stephen Kingy kind of episode. Ooh. We're just like rattling weird shit off. Did you um see The Mist? I did see The Mist. Yeah, I think that's like one of my favorite endings to a movie I've ever seen. It's so good. It's so good. It's a sleeper uh, kind of cool movie too. Like, yeah, it wasn't a big hit to my no, knowledge. No, not at all. But everyone that's seen it loves it. Yeah, it's really good. I think and that's the of guy that, ending. that you said walks around in his bare feet. The star yeah, Thomas it. Jane is a barefoot. A barefoot fucking weirdo. Yeah. Cruising around L.A. just getting his feet burned. What a weirdo. What a dumbass. Fuck. That's so gross. He's got issues. Yeah. What would it take to get you to be a permanently barefoot guy? I don't know. How much does Thomas Jane get paid? Not enough. Yeah, not enough. So yeah. I heard a thing. It was pretty funny. He has a. Um, he was in that show Hung, that HBO <laughs> show, just about a guy with a big dick. Yeah. Like, what a great role to have. Yeah, getting cast as that must be very flattering. But so he's a big he's in a he's in Stephen King stuff a lot. Um and he's in like science fiction movies a ton. He's just like a big sci fi Stephen King guy. Yeah. And um when that show Hung came out, his wife got interviewed about it. And they're like So what do you think about um you know your <laughs> husband's in this role? Where, like, he usually does, like, science fiction stuff, and now he's in this role where about this guy with, like, a really big penis that, like, women are, like, fawning over. And she's like, well, it's another science fiction role. <laughs> I knew it was going to be like that. She's like, yeah, he's still doing science fiction. Yeah. Like, yeah. What if Thomas Jane had a big swing <laughs> how? Yeah. Well, actually, that kind of brings me to a, a segment that we usually do. Yeah. Around this time. Sure. Uh, but the question is, since we've measured Stephen King's hog, whose hog do we measure? Thomas Jane? Who have Stanley we talked Kubrick? about? Why don't we do a director hog off? Okay, between... Kubrick. We do Kubrick. Carpenter. Carpenter. 
and then one more. So we either do Cam- I can't do four people again. Cameron? No, no, no. Because we got to do someone who's directed Stephen King work. Oh, okay, I get it. So I get it. Kubrick, Carpenter, and I'll let you choose either Darab- between Darabon or Rob Reiner. Oh, the tuna dribbler son, <laughs> tuna dribbler junior. Oh man. Oh. You know, I'm just too curious about Carl Reiner's dick or Rob Reiner's dick. Um, sorry, Darabont. I want to know, but not yeah, that Darabont. Bad. You don't interest me that much. I don't care about how big Frank Darabont's dick is. He's the best Stephen King adapter of all of them, I think. Yeah, but Rob Reiner did Stand by Me and Misery. Yeah, but Darabont's got three. Yeah, Green Mile's not that good. It's not that good. No, I don't. Really... And also for the sake of argument neither is the mist really like yeah as a complete thing like shawshank is probably better than all of them combined yeah but like counts for a lot but like does making the mist and green mile like they're not bad movies but do they like take a little tick off for yeah i guess maybe you're right you know rob ryan or yeah rob reiner he did misery and stand by me those are both like a plus movies yeah Shawshank's A plus plus, but then Mist is like A, and Green Mile's like C. Yeah, I'll give it C plus. Okay, so uh, bottom line, the C, he puts the C in Michael C. Duncan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Clark. Y- yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's uh, let's All play right. that jingle. Hey, here you are, Skeeter. What you doing out here looking at the sky? I was just thinking, boss. What you thinking about, Skeeter? Oh, just Packers. <laughs> thinking about fellers' hogs, huh? Yeah. You know, Skeeter, there's as many different types of hogs in this world as there are stars up in that big old black Tennessee sky. Well, that just makes me feel good to think about. <sighs> sure wish I knew what every fellers' hog looked like. Boss? Yes, Skeeter? Can I see your hog? Well, seeing as it's Christmas, Skeeter, I got the spirit in me. I guess I'll just drop my breeches right here. You can measure my hog. Holy Christmas, look at that thing. Merry Christmas, everybody. Let's measure that hog. Wee. I guess that must have been recorded or sometime around the holidays. That's like a, like, uh, one of those like campfire stories from Stand By Me. <laughs> it is. Well, I like that one. Like uh, it, it is thoughtful. Yeah, it's And nice. I think we have a lot of hogs to think about right now. Yeah. So who are we doing again? <clears throat> Rob Reiner, James Cameron, and John Carpenter. No, Stanley Kubrick, not Stanley James Kubrick. Cameron. Oh, yeah, you're right. Sorry. I just really want to know about this hog. <laughs> I can't let it go. All right, so John Carpenter, Stanley Kubrick... That's going to be a tough one. He's got a computer dick. And, <laughs> and, and Rob Reiner. Stanley Cooper and Christopher Nolan have just a couple of bleep bloops for dicks. Yeah, I guess let's just start with him. Yeah, yeah. I think he has an ice cold like yeah. computer pecker. And I think it's exactly six inches and it is like geometrically perfectly straight. His dick looks like an obelisk. Yeah, yes. Yeah. Exactly. It's black. I don't think there's anything curvy warm or sensuous about Stanley no. Kubrick's dick. It's literally a tool. It just looks like Vincent D'Onofrio. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, do you think, uh, 
Is there anything else to say about his dick? No, I think let's that's move it. on. Yeah, move on. All right, Stanley Kubrick, robot dick. John Carpenter. Smoker's dick, as you once said. Yes. <laughs> I was going to say, it looks like a cigarette. Yeah, yeah he definitely looks like a... Like an old... It's uh, got like a mustache. <laughs> it looks like an old pockmarked Native American man, yeah. but a dick. Yeah. Yeah, like a fucked up dick. Indian burial ground dick. <laughs> <laughs> it looks like that cat church after it came back from the dead in Pet Some cemetery. things are better off soft. Sometimes the dick soft is sour. Is <laughs> the dick is sour. <laughs> exactly. Well, that was an easy one. And yeah. I could also see John Carpenter's dick with like an eagle feather tied around the base <laughs> yeah, of it. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> but like just in the 70s. Just in the 70s. Like now like it style. has like biker leather on it for some reason. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Sure. Oh, it's a fucked up dick, and it might even have a little Johnny Knoxville like well, beat yeah, up old champion like, sock. Like that dick's a tuna dribbler for sure. Yeah, that dick could. Uh, it, sometimes people ask it for Rob Ryan, or Carl Reiner's autograph. <laughs> Man, that's. I wish there was only one Reiner. It's, it's so hard, hard to keep yeah. it straight. And which brings us to Rob Reiner, Mister Misery, Misery Dick, the younger of the tuna dribbling, <laughs> <laughs> the tuna sandwich dribbling. Dynasty of Hollywood, Rob and his father, Carl. Now, Rob is tough. Yeah. Because fat guys, they're, they're, I usually associate with, like, a little dick. Or at least, like, a hidden dick. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's, like, almost camouflaged, even if it is big. But he kind of has such, like, a uh, big personality... Mm-hmm. And he seems like a pretty confident in himself guy. And I like think... not even confident confident because of his work, just because of like who he is. Oh yeah, totally. And I also think that he's a very tall man. Yeah, he's like a big guy. And if he wasn't so fat, I think he'd be a candidate for like we would be saying swinging because like maybe hog of the month club or you know, something. Absolutely, <laughs> yeah. Like blue blue ribbon winner at the fair hog because. Yeah. He's like 6'3". I just remember looking at him. I'm like basing it off of the Rob Reiner that introduces Spinal Tap, Mm -hmm. where it's like big black beard. Yeah. USS whatever hat. Yeah. (laughs) That's what I'm thinking of, too. USS Intrepid. Ah, he's He might be like a uh, chode kind of guy, though. Maybe he's a He might be like like a Diet Coke can. He's a girther. Yeah. Let's see He's, that certificate. He led the Gerther movement. <laughs> yeah, I want to see that hog certificate. <laughs> I'm a Gerther. I want you to bring that blue ribbon and put it on TV <laughs> so I know that your hog is the Gerth. You're a liar! <laughs> you never to county fair! <laughs> I, think, I think we're onto it. Now, I'm trying to picture Rob Reiner's hog, and I think that's the closest thing that matches. I don't see it being long, but I can see it being very fat. And he yeah. might just have a little tuna dribbler's fucking girth boy down there. And I think that's my final answer. Quote me on that. I will quote you on that. Stamp it. Send it to the bike. <laughs> <laughs> How surprised would you be if Rob Reiner opened this door this very second and dropped trow and just like had a huge dick and we were like, I'd be surprised Whoa. that he came in, but not that he had a huge dick. <laughs> Oh, Mr. Reiner. How do you feel about Rob Reiner? I kind of like him. I like him, too. Uh, He's like, I mean, for as much politics as me and you talk, like, he's like a little, like, some of these guys are like 
A little too political. A little too political. Or just like they're not um, – I don't know. They're not like as smart as I would hope they would be about it. They're just – they yeah. kind of just say the basic shit that like we all say, that like you and I say. And it's like I'd like them to have kind of like new ideas. Yeah, because you respect them as like witty and funny and you kind of want to hear them like put yeah. a, give a take on something and maybe. It's like, oh, you're just kind of saying like – the same like Washington Post stuff yeah, that like I like and well like Susan Sarandon. respect, but like yeah. you're not really you're not like impressing me at all. There's nothing new here, Rob. Yeah, yeah, I guess that's true. And it's weird because there is kind of a certain disappointment that comes with um, someone completely agreeing with you, but not in any way bringing anything to the table. Right? Yeah, totally. You're like, no, I don't disagree. Yeah, I just think, why did you even need to say it if that's all you're saying? Yeah, he's like. Racism sucks. <laughs> sure, I'm this mad about it. This guy's fucking up the country, and yeah. then I just want to do something about yeah, it. I'm just mad, and you know what? I also hate uh, being unfair. That's a perfect <laughs> Rob Reiner impression. Yeah, he's a redneck. <laughs> <laughs> he's a redneck now. You know who has a great Rob Reiner impression? Is South Park. Oh, really? I don't know if I know it. It's been like 15 years since yeah. they attacked him, but it was really good. He's like constantly eating burgers, and oh well, maybe he was in uh, Team America, right? I think he might have been, yeah. But I know he was for sure in South Park, and it was like an episode about celebrities who hate smoking. And he was like going on and on about how bad cigarettes were, but like just stuffing like, food <laughs> in his uh-huh. mouth. It's like, you know, you know how those guys yeah. roll. <laughs> it's really good stuff. But it seems a little unfair because I actually really like old Mr. Rob. Yeah, me too. Now, what goddamn business did he have directing a horror film at that time in his life? He's a comedy guy. I don't know. What the fuck? He just, um, I guess maybe the same business Stephen King had directing Maximum, <laughs> Maximum Overdrive. Overdrive. Fair. I think that those guys, uh, what came first? Was it Misery or Stand By Me? Let's find out. I don't out. know. I feel like all of these three movies were made in the same year. Um, well, maybe Stand By Me is like Stand By Me was first. So what? maybe that, Stand By Me was 86. Misery was 90. Misery was 1990. So maybe he had a little, like, let me, like, dip my toe into the Stephen King with this. Mm-hmm. And, and I'll go super did... light, non-horror. Yeah. Kids find a dead body. Yeah, we can do, like, the um, the internal horror of, like, what that is. Because, like, the scene when they find the dead body, it's not scary. It's just, like, very sad. Yeah. And they're kind of, like... I don't like that we did this. Yeah, they're like, you know, and that's like out. a way deeper thing than being like a horror movie, you know? Yeah. Because that's like deeper. so real. Yeah. What do you think a bunch of 10 year olds would think if they went and found a body on purpose and then there's just this disgusting decomposing yeah. corpse? They'd be like, oh, I don't know. And that's another theme too. Like same, that in Stand By Me with uh, It is like, it's about these kind of like abused kids, you know? Yeah. And just kind of going into the woods and hanging out and, like, growing up together. Yeah, and it's, like, the metaphor of, like, finding a dead body is, like, oh, this is, like, what our lives are like right now. Yeah. We're just kind of, like, wasted people. And they're really both very similar stories because, like, in Stand By Me, those, like, teenagers come and, like, confront him in the woods. Keeper Sutherland. Yeah, and then the same fucking thing happens with, what's that guy's name? Like, Patrick Hofstetter or something in It. Mm -hmm. It's, like, little kids standing up to woods bullies. Yeah. Oh, another thing we didn't even mention in It, which is another, like, for the end of that book with, like, the 
gangbang scene or whatever you want to call it. Yeah. There's a whole earlier thing where that bully Patrick Hofstetter, like, jacks a kid off, right? Oh, yeah. Or does yep, he jack yep. off in front of him or something? Like, no, he jacks the kid off. And or... Beverly, like, sees it from a car. Yeah. So there's, like, none of this stuff came out of nowhere in there. Like, that was on page 600 when she's like, yeah. oh, something, like, this is a weird thing. That people do. They, like, wiggle each other's wieners till they yeah. pee. Yeah, no, you're right. And yeah. it's weird because, like, that kid has, like, And a... that scene was way more, like, horrifying. Super Because horrifying. it was, like, a bully doing it to another person, like, used his power over them. Yeah, and the other kid, like, didn't really want it. Yeah. But the bully's like, shut up, I'm gonna jack you off, like, come on. And he just, like, makes He's like, this don't kid... tell anyone. He, like, makes this, like, normal kid come. Yeah. And then, but, the and, and the bully has, like, a, a refrigerator full of dead animals there, too, right? Yeah. Or is that a different kid? No, yeah, he would kidnap people's animals and throw them... He would take, like, a cat and, like, and put throw it in, it in a fridge. fridge, and then he'd come back and check on it. And, like, and be like, oh, it's still alive. But yeah. it's, like, gasping for air, and then I'll close it up again. Yeah. That's scary shit. It's ter- that was the scariest part of the book. Yeah. Because that's, like, a true-life psychopath in town. Yeah. And then he jacks that kid off, and it's just all kinds of crazy. <laughs> <laughs> See, to me, here's what's weird. People weren't upset about that. No, no one even mentions that. Because and that was, like, rape. The most depraved part of the book yeah. is animal torture and, like, rape of a kid. But then all of a sudden, all these kids have consensual sex. and But it's because all... it was with a girl. Yeah. And people think right. that women or girls or whatever can't, like, make they're, decisions for themselves. They're pure. They think she was being taken advantage of. And she was her idea. By who? Stephen King? <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, the exactly. author of the book? Yeah, these people are fucking psycho. Yeah. Yeah. Those, it's like, those people need to look in the, at themselves and, like, why do. do you feel that way? That's the, the not the most disturbing part by far of the book. No, but, it's not at all. And it goes by fat, like... And let's be honest. If you're a grown-up, you can read a piece of fiction where just about anything happens and get the fuck over it. Yeah, and you can also imagine, oh, when I was 12... How you much thought, would I have loved to be in a gangbang? Yeah, or like you thought about shit like that all the time. Yeah, <laughs> like, fucking in the sewer. Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. I still think about that. Yeah, people fucking me in my sewer. This is why I buy these books. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I jack off to this stuff. No, but it's so true. It's just like really. So this, like, all these kids who love each other, like, experiment sexually and like grow yeah. up in that scene. But like, meanwhile, there's a guy torturing cats and jacking people off who don't want to be jacked off and they're like "Ooh, that's good horror they're like they never mentioned that like her dad like molests her yeah it's yeah it's mind-boggling it's the consensual stuff that gets everyone upset yeah but that's uh the culture we live in yeah that's the uh, mike pansification of the world that's right mutter <laughs> mutter <laughs> my mother was a fodder <laughs> we should do a mashup of the dancing song mother with like a mike pence <laughs> <That's> Mo- <so laughs> fun- mother it's done it's He's done like- by the band mike pence none the richer <laughs> totally He's like masturbating onto a mother. crucifix and sobbing <laughs> mother <laughs> <laughs> That's what he calls his mom, right? Yeah. Which, like, no, he calls his wife that. Oh, I mean, it's normal to call your mom mother. I no, guess, he calls his really. wife mother. That's way creepier. Yeah, mother. <laughs> Come on now, mother. You gotta get the, the cattle into the barn before the storm comes. The mother Hofstetter. That's these people have no business drawing no. breath in my world. That's insane. Can you imagine what it would take for you to call Amy mother? <laughs> 
Like, not just like, congratulations, mother, you have a baby. But like, <laughs> yeah, just day to day around the house, like, mother. Mother, dinner's ready, mother. <laughs> are the flapjacks ready, mother? The children are hungry for their homeschooling. <laughs> We're going to go out to the barn and study uh, water divining. <laughs> water divination. I, I took the chicken boat. I took <laughs> The wishbone from the chicken so he can divine water, mother. Make a wish, find the water, mother. The dust bowl will be over soon, mother. As soon as we find a vein of water on this land. Call me Tom Jode, mother. Tom Jode. Oh, my God. There's no way that guy has ever had sex with the lights on. I know. Oh, yeah. There's just no way. Well, what's that joke about, like, uh... What is it like? Protestants. Max pinching his nose in consternation. I'm trying to think. Like Protestants won't have sex standing up because they don't want people to think they're dancing. <laughs> yeah, that's so good. That's I. That's that's the kind of thing I would call a perfect joke. Yeah, I was doing the uh, kid from Dazed and Confused when he's embarrassed while I was trying to think about like. Just pinch your nose and shake your little head because you know Ben Affleck's gonna paddle that ass. <laughs> I love that kind of joke. That's... I love that Ben Affleck is a returning character now on the podcast. I know. I can't believe I'm wasting so much time on him. I really have a problem with Ben Affleck's career. Like, I think he's never done anything of note in my book i think that him uh winning an oscar for directing argo is bullshit absolutely that movie was not good no and it had like like the third act finale of it was the most like contrived bullshit ending to a movie that you've seen a thousand times it was where it's like we're showing a scene of people in an airport getting all like hyped up because danger's coming and people in a basement oh but guess what you thought it was the same scene but they're not at but all they're like, not. it's like these two things were happening totally separate from each other it's totally like yeah fake drama it is he's a hack uh, he's a hack ben hack flack he's a total hack and i've been saying it for years i think he has had some decent roles but none of them have been like challenging or interesting roles that you couldn't totally see Ben Affleck doing. Oh, and you know, to go back to uh, Gone Girl, I think David Fincher is a super smart uh, director and good at casting. And I think that he cast Ben Affleck because he's a bad actor. And it was the idea of like this Scott Peterson husband who's like, um, you can't tell if he's guilty or not mm-hmm. because he's such like a fucking douche he's such a douche yeah and i think ben affleck couldn't act that on purpose but it's just the way he looks and the way he is he and he's is, a bad actor he so it's like Scott you can't Davis. tell if he's like genuine or not ever i think you're right it, that's perfect casting it's like and that's my point with ben affleck like he's had good roles but it's not because he's a good actor it's because he was cast perfectly appropriately it's like even in Goodwill Hunting, it's like he's cast to be a dumbass. Yeah, and he is. And he's a fucking dumbass. <laughs> yeah. And it's like he works great in that movie. Yeah. But anytime he tries to like stretch his wings with writing or directing or taking something a little more daring, he's terrible. Yeah. Because he's just a doofus. Ben Affleck, if you're listening, go walk off a bridge. But if you want, um, tweet at us and we'll let you be on the podcast for sure. Yes, before you walk off that bridge, please how do we go about getting you to plug the show? Also, like, can you stop working out because you're looking too buff? And we need you to be in a Gone Girl 2 
Yeah. Curse of mother. Lose it. Lose the weight. Lose the buff. And uh, plug the show. Lose the buff. Shave that scruff. Come around back. And we we'll, can't get enough. Huff and puff. <laughs> <laughs> what's happening? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> hey, listeners, what's happening? Do you want to tweet at us at our social media account? Oh, my little string just ripped off my notebook. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, man. That's a real behind-the-scenes inside look at Sean's yeah. notebook. Um, I wanted to say, I know we got a game coming up. But I saw an amazing tweet by Stephen King that just shows his writing prowess. Tell me. It's just two short sentences, and it just says, the news is real, the president is fake. <laughs> <laughs> Which I don't mean to get into politic talk. No, but, but he just, does such, like, nerdy shit. He's just like, boom, bing, bang, boom, <laughs> yeah, boom. Like, fucking... <laughs> and you can tell he, like, types that shit out, and he's just smiling. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so, he loves it. The whole time. He loves himself. Um, what do you know about um, his $1 deal? That oh, yeah, the do? dollar babies. You told me about this. Yeah, so I don't know. I think... Um, come... Come, my lady. Come, <laughs> come, come, my lady. I think come, my lady. Um, so Frank Darabont might have done a short film in school or something. So Stephen King has this program called the dollar babies where he'd have like a select few of like his short stories that he licenses for $1 to like budding filmmakers. Mm. And he might've done one. I think Frank Darabont might've done one, um, in school, like film school. And then he did the rights for Shawshank Redemption for a dollar too. Uh, that's what I thought I heard. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Just and so sense. actually, this reminds me, Amy and me went to, um, CineFamily, you know, the silent movie theater, mm -hmm. which has recently closed down because the guy who used to run that, <laughs> Adrian, raped a person. Yeah. Well. Um, <laughs> anyway, they had a thing there that was Stephen King Dollar Babies, and they, like, curated 10 short films that people made, and they were like, most of them were really bad. <laughs> but, like, we went to the theater and watched, like, ten student films that were all, like, dollar Stephen King dollar babies. So is he still doing this, then? Yeah, he is. So you can go on his website, I think, and he has... The issue with him is that all of his stuff will sell, no matter what, because mm -hmm. it's Stephen King stuff. Yep. So, you know, 95% of his things are already owned by Paramount, or like, a big studio, Warner Brothers, whatever. Yeah. Um, but he always reserves a small number of things. So he might have like Stevens reserve 10 or Privates. 15. <laughs> 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 so he might have like 10 or 15 or 20 short stories that are under the dollar baby category. And you can just write him a thing. And, um, I don't know if you have to pitch him on it or how it works. Like I'm doing it for this reason. I don't know if you can just get it. You don't just send him a dollar and you get it. You might have to like, like prove. fill out a form or whatever. Yeah, I'm but you're allowed to make it rights free, other than the dollar, and you can like make a thing. I think someone made Children of the Corn before the rights like finally got bought and it was made into a big movie. Really? Because one of the dollar babies that we saw was like a Children of the Corn short. I'll be at damned. this thing. Or I wonder if maybe he moved that back. Although I guess once you have your rights in like film and distribution, it's tough to get it all back and yeah. turn it into a dollar baby. 
Right, yeah. At that point, you know, you can't... I don't think you can do it because someone else bought the rights to it. So it's not like... Right. I mean, that. then you go under copyright law, and I forget what... Do you know what the formula is for that? It's like... Shaking my head now, audience. 40 years... Sean don't know this stuff. Fuck, I learned about this. 40 when I was years, in, fool me once. 40 years, years, come my I'm, lady. I'm a dunce. <laughs> <laughs> um... Guys. It's something after death. So it's like oh. after the person who holds the copyright has died mm-hmm. plus like 40 or 60 years or something like that, then it becomes public domain. Oh, yeah. I see what you're saying. Yeah, there is some rule like that, which actually I think is really cool. Yeah, it's great. Like that's great because one day we can all make our own Winnie the Pooh movie. One day you can make a We Need to Talk About Steven movie. Yeah, dream on, guys. Especially Steven, Steven Tyler. Tyler. <laughs> <laughs> well, Mike, I think there's one more game that we need to play before we sum this boy up. Yeah, let's do it. All right. I love that tune. I love this game. I love this game. I hate trying to describe this game. <laughs> so this is the game called Did I Do That? Where uh, Michael will present to me... Several different options of something Stephen King might have done. Only one of them is true. I will have to decipher which one that is. That's good. Yeah? Yeah. yeah. I'll take it. <laughs> you had me worried there. You kind of waited a second. Like, yeah. I was waiting for you to be like, and he did that. <laughs> or something. Oh, sure. like, and he we did got... that. We're good. Okay. <laughs> I saw I saw Sean punch something into his keyboard, and I thought he was going to do the uh, jingle again. <laughs> I, I wish it was that easy. Um, okay. Hold on. This is the game where we already went over this. Okay. Stephen King, the filmmaker. Did I do that? What did he do? Number one. While visiting the set of The Shawshank Redemption, Stephen King suggested to director Frank Darabont that for the sake of realism, Tim Robbins crawl through actual human shit in the sewer escape scene. Right, a consummate, like, <laughs> um, method guy. Yeah, he's a <laughs> okay, scatological. Sure. Yeah. Okay. Has num- there been one did I do that without shit in it? I don't think so. Okay, sorry. Go ahead. Number two. Number two. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Numero dos. After having continuous nightmares about Dustin, the dog actor who played Cujo in his titular role, Stephen King ordered Paramount Pictures to euthanize the canine. Wait a minute. One more time. (laughs) After... After having continuous nightmares about Dustin, the dog actor who played Cujo in his titular role, Stephen King ordered Paramount Pictures to euthanize the canine. Jesus, Stephen. Number three. Big, beautiful St. Bernard. <laughs> the old man neighbor from Pet Cemetery is based on Stephen King's tall, red-headed boyhood friend, Sam. <laughs> That's a bit of an inside <laughs> reference. Inside Num- of Maine, <laughs> Number four. Although he eventually settled on Emilio Estevez, Stephen King wanted the lead of Maximum Overdrive to be played by Bruce Springsteen. Hmm. Num- oh, okay. What? Keep going. We have so. one more. Okay, I'm sorry. Number five. 
Stephen came up with the idea for The Mist after spending a week in a smoke-filled San Francisco opium den with author Michael Crichton. What? <laughs> okay. That came burp. out of nowhere. <laughs> yeah, burp, bitch. Oh, wow. Okay. Well, um, I will... Let, let's just start... Do you want to do a little quick recap? Do you remember number one? Yeah. Number one was that he... Uh, wanted uh tim robbins to crawl through human shit on the set of shawshank redemption true yeah as in number one that yes. is true that's number i'm one. gonna say i'm gonna knock that one out because okay. i love it but it strikes me as something that you and i love so much that it has to be <laughs> a figment of our imagination that is kind of like something me and you would just sit and talk about for <laughs> yeah. like two minutes what if tim robbins had to crawl through <laughs> yeah. shit <laughs> and it also seems from a filmmaking background <coughs> completely unnecessary <laughs> like very difficult to pull off and a labor law violation well according to this he did just suggest it to frank darabont okay that's true so yeah okay i still i'm gonna strike that one okay all right moving on down so next is the dog euthanization <laughs> of that. the dog Dustin, who played Cujo. <laughs> Insisted on having the animal actor, Dustin, euthanized because he was having nightmares about a story he, he wrote. wrote. <laughs> yeah. But remember, <laughs> he was so high on coke that he forgot he wrote it. That's true. This is the book that Stephen King forgot he wrote. He just yeah. does not remember writing Cujo. Still, I think Stephen King is a humane man and a loving man and has a yeah, lot of respect so for too. animal actors. I don't see him killing That's a dog. That's why that one upset me so much that it was real. <laughs> okay, okay, I'm striking it. <laughs> Number three. The old man from Pet Cemetery is based on Stephen King's redheaded friend, Sam. Well, I think it's based on our redheaded friend, <laughs> Sam, which, again, it's not for every listener, but if you know him... You know what we're talking about. You know what we're talking about. All right, very fun, but okay. he did not do that. Number four, he wanted uh, Bruce Springsteen to lead Maximum Overdrive. Now, this one I'm intrigued by because we did tell a Springsteen story, mm -hmm. but I'm the one that told it. Yeah, that's true. So I, I know that they're friends, for real. Mm -hmm. It would have been around the time period that that little sweet 17-year-old girl confronted them at a restaurant. And uh, Bruce Springsteen and Emilio Estevez both could have done that. If you think about what Emilio was wearing in that movie... He had a white T-shirt oh, tucked into some little yeah. tiny butt jeans. It kind of looks like Bruce Springsteen's everyday wear. Does Bruce Springsteen have an earring? Because Ooh, good that question. was part of Emilio's look in that movie. He had like a little gold uh, ring yeah. in his ear. Good question. That's why I'm so intrigued by this one. Huh. But then it comes to the next one, which is also... I'm, Stephen I'm thinking King might be came up with the idea for The Mist after spending a week in a smoke-filled <laughs> San Francisco opium den with Michael Crichton. Okay. <coughs> I can't prove that Michael Crichton and Stephen King know each other. It would make a <laughs> lot of sense. And also, so would their spending a week in a smoke-filled opium den in San Francisco. But I think it's just a little more far out than Bruce Springsteen being in a Stephen King movie at the time they were both friends. So your final answer. However, ooh, sometimes <laughs> it's the crazy ones that are true. Yet <laughs> This is like a real scopes monkey trial. However, <laughs> however, yet I'm patting my sweat off with like a little handkerchief. However, what was that guy's name? The Clarence uh, Darrow? Yeah, Clarence Darrow. Um 
A true American hero. Oh, my God. Not for long. <laughs> what do you mean? He died like 70 years oh, ago? Oh, watch this new Supreme Court we're getting. Oh, yeah. There'll that's be true. evolution yeah. taught in every public oh, school. Yeah. True American hero, like 1930 through 2018. <laughs> R.I.P. evolution. You're fucking bullshit. <laughs> Mother's teaching history now. Ain't no uncle of mine a monkey, except for Uncle Ray. He's a, hell, he's a good old Christmas ape. Um, I think... Uncle Ray aside, it's the Bruce Springsteen one. Final answer, quote me on that. Sean, Sam will be disappointed in you because the real answer is Bruce Springsteen. Yes! <laughs> yes! All right. I, I feel good about that one. Yeah. I was real tempted by and that And you know, argument. I got shook when you mentioned Bruce Springsteen earlier. <laughs> Did you really? Yeah. Well, I mean, that's kind of... Kind of what brought me there is yeah. my knowledge of that one Springsteen yeah. story. Huh. I love that they're friends. I didn't know that until I read this trivia about Maximum Overdrive. Yeah, I mean, I didn't know that trivia, but... And I, did, I wouldn't have known they were friends unless I heard Stephen King tell that story mm-hmm. about... Uh, huh. Interesting. Huh. Well, today, guys, gang, we learned a lot. I know. And um, we might even have to, like, revisit Stephen King... He'll be back. Guys, I don't want you to think that just because we spent three entire hours talking about Stephen King that we're done. Because this guy has had, I think now more than ever, didn't you have some, like, fact about him that he has, like... yeah, yeah. Like, right now, in the year 2018, he has, like, 38 of his projects in development. Yeah, I think it's 35, but in some stage of development, either in writing, pre-pro shooting currently or in post-production or just awaiting release there are 35 stephen king that's stories coming to just just to movies and tv yeah that's not even counting the books he has coming out yeah so just think about that he is a monster hands down a monster the most prolific fucking person in american history he's amazing and i should say you know some of those are remakes they're doing like yet another it and another Cujo and stuff like that. But it's like, this guy is a fucking storytelling legend. Yeah, it's fucking crazy. And we can't get enough of him. Yeah. Like, no one can get enough of him. Yeah. Let's save this and sum him up so we could... Ah, right, let's sum him up. Come on now, sum him up, boys! Yee-hee. Come on now, get it. Sum him up now. Don't get I think Stephen King would love that. He loves his good old boy stuff. Um, <laughs> so I'm looking at his things that are coming up, and there's something called Cujo Canine Unit Joint Operations. <laughs> oh, I wanted to bring that up. <laughs> what is that? I don't know. I tried to figure out the plot. Is and stuff. it like a Law and Order spinoff? <laughs> <laughs> like SVU? C-U-J-O? Oh, because it's Canine Unit Joint Operations. Mm-hmm. Hmm. But it's on his writing thing, and it's called Cujo. People were speculating. Speculating, it's like just a lame rebrand of Cujo. 
Yeah, or it's like Turner and Hooch or something. <laughs> Cujo's a cop now. Yeah, Tom Hanks and a oh fucking St. Bernard. Once was a dog, got bit by a bat, and went <laughs> straight rabbit, joined force. <laughs> Every movie I take a piss. <laughs> Maybe he's like a um, dragged across glass cop in the city. Oh, yeah. He's like unhinged dog cop, like... Get off the fucking ground! I don't care! <laughs> the only way that his partner can get him off is when he shoves a thumb up his butt. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Cujo just abuses, like, minority suspects and has to get, like, pulled off and put on trial. And loses his job and falls into drinking. It's like, don't go after that Dalmatian. He's mixed. It wasn't about his race. I was blind drunk that day. And you're like, all right, well, dog, you wear a badge. You have responsibilities. <laughs> he drinks, like, Colt 45 out of his, like, dog bowl. <laughs> he's got, yeah, he's got one of those St. Bernard casks around his <laughs> yeah. neck. And it's just filled with bourbon. It's like, Cujo, cool it, man. We're he, on the beat. He falls in the water and his, like, owner pulls him up by his, like, life jacket. <laughs> like, handle on the back. Oh, my God. Um, okay. So here's my sum up for Stephen King, the filmmaker. Bring it. So I would say probably generously 5% of the things that are adapted of his works are good. Yeah. Like on film and screen. Agreed. Um, and when they're good, they're really good. And I think it's because Stephen King is really good. Um, and the stuff that is bad I don't think it's because Stephen King is bad. I think sometimes when he writes it, it might be because it's bad in terms of the screenplays. Yeah, he's not. Because as we were saying, he's not like he's he's a prose guy. He's a novelist, um, not a screenwriter. But that stuff, like when I'm deep into reading Stephen King stuff, like I read the Tommy Knockers, and I didn't even love the book, but I was so fucking excited that there was a Tommy Knockers three part miniseries yeah like a three-hour thing you know yeah and it was bad too oh terrible jimmy smith he was regrets it, it. he's it was it. bad like the ma- the tv thing was bad but it's like i love knowing that if there's a guy you like who has like a world and a universe of these books that you like there's always like one step deeper you can go on it mm-hmm. and it's so um i don't know if it's like fulfilling but it's almost like how much more generous can a creator be yeah. than being like, look, you had an 1,100-page book of mine that you read, and maybe you didn't like it. But guess what? You like me enough that you're going to go and watch the a three-hour fucking thing of it. And that might not even be good, but it's going to excite you. Yeah, Like I remember so like right. reading the Tommyknockers, and I remember Amy was going to be like working late that night. And I knew like I get to come home from work. And Amy will be gone, and I'm gonna have three hours to watch the Tommy Knockers. That's so. And great. it just like excited me because I knew every t- every time you finish a Stephen King thing that you like, there's always like a little bit more you can get out of it. Yeah, like so after true. finishing it, like you and I read that recently, mm-hmm. and it's like we finished reading it, and then three months later there was the fucking movie that came out. Yeah, and we were able to go see that. Yeah. And if we wanted to, we could go back and watch that shitty miniseries they made about. Like, yep. There's always like something more. Like, he is the fucking gift that keeps on giving forever. He's a fun. And I appreciate that so much from him. I think that's a really interesting take on the sum up. And you're right, because, you know, we summed up his book career. So this is like a different look at it. Mm -hmm. And I think you're right. Like, his, what, we literally could talk about this guy forever. Yeah. 
one thing I wanted to say in this podcast that I never got to say is that most people would worry about the oversaturation creatively. Like, you know, we talked about that with mm-hmm. Steve Harvey. Like, Stephen King is so ubiquitous. You would worry that his brand would be worthless because yeah. it, there's just so much Stephen King out there. But it's not. And the reason is because it's still quality. Yeah. So his prolificness, he's one of these rare people whose prolificness does not diminish the product. And in fact, some of the, of the time, he's even better than he's ever been. Yeah. You know? And uh, you're right. Every time I finish a Stephen King book, I immediately go try to watch the movie. Mm-hmm. And in my opinion, it never holds up. No, it doesn't hold he's up. He's a book writer. Yeah. And that's where his really talent is. Yeah. But his ideas are so unique and intriguing that you can't help but try to make movies and TV shows. No, but it's also like that um, love that you have for the story, like the book that you read. Sometimes that stuff is great rose-colored glasses, and it's like, that'll carry me through the Tommyknockers. Mm -hmm. Like, there will be little nuggets in there, you know? 90% of the thing will be fucking bad. Hmm. But there's that nugget from the book that I thought was really good. And there it is in the show. And like... Man, what a treat that is! That Such I get a treat. that I get that like a little bit more, and then you get to see it, you know, because like when you read something, it's there and you can see it. Mm-hmm. But man, is it so like it like satiates you, like being able to be like, oh fuck, there's that scene. It is. It actually reminds me of the idea. That like these, you know, the Portuguese in the old times came up with this idea because they're such a sailing nation that like you would leave home for years and years and years on a sailboat and you would have all these beautiful memories of how wonderful home was and you like eventually you'd want to go back there so bad like you'd do anything to revisit mm-hmm. it. And after eight years on the sea, you'd come back and there'd be a taste of it, but it would never be the same again. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's what it is to read a Stephen King story and then try to watch a movie. Yeah. It's like the first time you read it is so magical. You're happy to watch the miniseries of the movie and you'll get a taste of what you had. Mm-hmm. And, but it's really it's all in your memory. Now. Yeah, that's why I didn't see the uh, Dark Tower movie because I was like, yeah, smart. That <laughs> that thing was like way too sweet for me and yeah. I'm not going <laughs> to. Yeah, don't spoil it. Yeah. But, you know, it doesn't always spoil it. Like I saw the It's new... like you have like a really good dinner and like a really good dirt, uh, dessert. And really some... good dirt. And then someone's like, do you want to chew on these coffee grinds? For <laughs> <all of> <laughs> yeah. You're like, I'll just have the coffee. <laughs> well, it's almost like Michael and I, I mean, not to tell tales out of school, but we barbecued before we did this. We made burgers. We made exactly four. First one, so fucking good. Second and one. And we said, let's get another one. Second one, didn't hold uh, up. Well, Sean, the first one's had cheese on it. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, you heard it her. Quote me on that. You heard it her first. <laughs> yeah, quote Michael on that. The first ones had, had cheese, cheese on it. And with that... Thank you so much for listening. Yeah, and always, you know, read the Stephen King book. They mm-hmm. will have cheese on it. Mm-hmm. Watch Stephen King movie. It will have cheese on it. It might just be mustard. Oh, interesting. <laughs> Guys, please. Uh... It's yellow, but it ain't cheese. <laughs> Guys. I'm just trying to. <laughs> it's so good. We're just going into Cheese Corner now. Welcome to the Cheese Monger Welcome podcast. to Cheese Corner. <laughs> just a couple of nibblers. Our first guest today, a rat. <laughs> ben Affleck, Rob Reiner's dick, <laughs> yeah. and a mousetrap. And Harold Bloom, <laughs> a.k.a. the rat. All right, guys, thank you so much thank for you sharing guys. this. Continue to do it. Tell thank your you, dog, Sean. tell your mailman, tell, tell your everyone. Cujo. And until next time, 
Don't, don't stop, stop the Steven. Steven.